Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Um, last week we finished up John chapter 10, so this morning we're going to cover the first 27 verses of chapter 11. So John chapter 11, uh, the first 27 verses. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to the disciples, "Let us go to Judea again." The disciples said to him, "Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again?" And Jesus answered, "Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he does because he sees the light of this world." But if the one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. (coughs) These things he said, and after he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them uh, concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. you." And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, as we ask you each week, Father, we ask that you allow us to understand your truth through your word. Father, we pray that you'll be our teacher. We pray that the Holy Spirit will... Uh, Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Father, and hearts to understand. Um, And we thank you for our time together, and we ask that you bless it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week, at the end of chapter 10, we saw that Jesus, uh, as they had tried to stone him, it was about the third or fourth time, I believe, and so Jesus leaves Jerusalem for an un. He didn't. They don't. John didn't really tell us exactly where he went. Um, 
And it was there, it was at this point, uh, that Jesus receives a message. And we read about this message here in the first four verses. And it says, I'll read those again. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Lazarus heard that, he said, excuse me, when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Well, this is, in John's Gospel, this is the first mention of the sisters, Mary and uh, Martha. And what we know is Mary and Martha and Lazarus were uh, three adult siblings who lived together in Bethany, a village that was just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem. Of course, as John tells us, Mary is the one who anoints Jesus' feet with the very expensive oil. We'll read about that in John 12. Uh, And so what we do know, again, at this point, is that uh, already in the timeline, Jesus knows this family well. Okay, he does this. He obviously, he knows them. He's he knows this family. He loves them dearly because how did they say it? the one whom you love is sick? They didn't even they didn't even name him. The one whom you love is sick. The message that was sent, and so there's an intimate relationship, a, a dear, sweet relationship between Jesus and his family. It uh, it also appear it appears that. The, they, this family, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, were disciples of Jesus. Uh, and they supported his ministry, and that's why they contacted him when Lazarus got sick. Right? They, they, had, they had witnessed and seen uh, Jesus perform many signs and heal others, and they hoped that they would do the same now for their brother, the one whom Jesus loves. And so uh, John tells us that uh, when Jesus got the message... He didn't immediately stop what he was doing and head to Bethany. He didn't drop everything and leave. You know, it's kind of like uh, you know, if you were to get a message um, of maybe an immediate family member who's uh, had a heart attack and been rushed to the hospital. Right? What would you do? You're going to stop what you're doing, right? And you're going to rush to the hospital. That's what you're going to do, right? I mean, if if if, all, if at all possible. If you can't, it's what you're going to want to do anyway, right? You're going to want to go and, and drop whatever you're doing and go to the hospital so you can be with your loved one. Well, Jesus didn't do that here. Since, um, since Jesus, he has, he, He's across the Jordan. He's, he's left, and so He's not... Uh, and Lazarus, of course, is where? He's in Bethany. He's close to Jerusalem. The message we can assume would take, likely have taken about a day to get to him. So they they could have they could have sent the message or they could have, you know sent the message. It would have taken possibly a whole day for Jesus to get the message. So it's, it kind of gives us a timeline here, um, and that'll help us as we talk about the days and the times that pass. I think that really helps as far as the, to understand uh, why Jesus waited. So what did Jesus say when he got the message? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This phrase that John puts in here that, uh, that, that, that Jesus says, Jesus' words, reveals really the real purpose for Lazarus' sickness, doesn't it? That's, why is Lazarus sick? Actually, probably he's at this point, he's already dead, most likely. 
He's sick. Why? Because what does it say? It's it's he's not going to die. He's so that the Son of God might be glorified. Because what Jesus knows what's going to happen. Jesus his his um, complete uh, his. His omniscience through his divinity, he is the he is the Son of God. Uh, he he knows what's about to happen, and he has communicated that to his human nature. The, the Jesus, the human being, knows what's happening too. He knows what's very much about to happen. The 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 sickness of Lazarus. Basically, what Jesus says is not going to end in him leaving this world. It's going to be that the glory of the Son of God will be made manifest uh, through it. And it's important for us to understand the meaning of Jesus's words here. In in the early days of the church, we know because we've discussed this already that the deity of Christ is is hotly debated, challenged. Uh, the fact that, that that Jesus claimed he was God, which we've already built out, where he has said that. On numerous occasions, it's hotly uh, debated. And there were many of those who resisted the idea of the deity of Christ because what they believed is that if you if you glorified Jesus, then that would detract from the glorification of God the Father. It would take away. That's what they believed. If you if you if if Jesus was was God, you give him glory, then it's going to take away from giving glory uh, to God the Father. But uh, the point of the New Testament and the teaching here, okay, and in other letters, is that. The Father is also glorified through the glory of the Son. Okay, it's not a, they're not in competition with one another. They're not competing for glory. Okay, it's if you give glory to the Son, then you're also giving glory to the Father. And if you give glory to the Father, you're also giving glory to the Son. And, of course, by extension, uh, the Trinity as well, the, the Holy Spirit as well. All members of the Trinity receive glory when one receives uh, glory. And so as, as Christ is revealed as the Son of God and is exalted, then also the God the Father is exalted. So it is this idea, uh, with, that's in mind, in Jesus' mind, when he tells them, in, in, in other words, don't worry about this. Okay, Lazarus is not sick unto death, uh, but this is happening for my glory and also for the glory of the Father. Now we have... Uh, then some uh, some curi- a curious statement, right? Verses uh, 5 and 6, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. Again, we, we touched on this a minute. If, if Jesus loved him, why did he stay two more days? Why did he, why did he linger? Why did he, he wait instead of going to his friend? Well, you know, when you read it just really on the surface, if you just read the narrative, and, and, and if you look at this book and, and you don't understand that it's the Word of God, you may look at this and say, man, that's pretty heartless, Jesus. How can you do that? He just got a word. It's probably taking a day to get the message, so he's been sick a good day, um, serious illness, and well, we're going to say two more days. Well, as we'll see, he had a very good reason to delay. And so finally, after the two days, Jesus takes action. In verse 7, he says, Then after this, so after the two days had passed, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Now, the disciples reacted um, in the way that we might think they would. Uh, They reminded Jesus, Jesus, don't you remember what happened last time we were there? Uh, they were ready to stone you. They've now tried to stone you three times. Um, 
And so Jesus replies uh, to their questions a little bit at first, a little cryptically, a little bit mysteriously, but then he's, he's very plain about it. And so in verses 9 through 11, Jesus answered, he says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Okay, what's this? Are there not twelve hours in the day? What's what's he referring to? What's it's, it is does sound a little cryptic. Well, in this day and time, okay, uh, a largely agrarian culture, uh, a typical day, okay, in there uh, in in a work day or a work week would have been a, a twelve hours of daylight, and in the twelve hours of daylight, that's when work was accomplished. That's that's what you had if you were. You worked uh, in the fields, or you, you planted whatever you did. You basically had twelve days, uh, twelve hours of daylight, and that's when you got your work done. Um, and by Jesus bringing, hey, after not twelve hours a day, by, by by mentioning this, he is basically telling them, just as every day you folks have a set time that you have to work, I also have a set time with which which with I have to work. There is a set time that I am here. And it's while I am here, I have work to do. The, the, in other words, uh, what Jesus was saying, the, the night of his soul has not come yet. He's basically saying, I still have work to do. The day is not finished for me. Okay, my day is not finished. And my, part of my ministry, part of the time that I am here, uh, is to minister to Lazarus. He is a part of this work. He is one of the things one of these divine appointments that I have to accomplish while I'm here. I have to go do this. Um, so that's the, the, the analogy he, he's, he's, sort, he, he's using um, to talk about this day's, the, the, the 12 hours in the day in the daylight. It's, it's his time. He's got these, what we would say about three years, right, of public ministry. It's limited time. It doesn't, doesn't get to linger. And now it's his daylight. It's his work day is what he's saying. And I have a divine appointment, and I have to go and see Lazarus. Now, Jesus also said here that Lazarus sleeps, um, by which he, he meant that Lazarus was not... Uh, Jesus had said Lazarus sleeps, by which he meant Lazarus had, had died. But the, the reason they didn't understand this is because it was unusual at this point, okay, that this euthanism... Uh, uh, Death being described as sleeping, it was unusual for that to be used at this time. Now we do find this uh, later in the New Testament. There are several occasions uh, over in First Corinthians and First Thessalonians where somebody who was dead is referred to as being asleep. Okay, so the best thing I, because I, I would I would read one commentator. He said at this point it's not common for that to be used right now. I guess if if you read where it's used and later, I guess it later it was maybe. Maybe they based it on Jesus' use of the words. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, but it's, it, it's, what we do know is clear is the disciples didn't understand what he was saying. Right? That's what we're clear of. And so it can, for me, it's, in a, it's okay to say they, when, he, when they heard Jesus say this, they didn't understand that Jesus meant that he was dead. And so that explains uh, why uh, the disciples missed the meaning of what Jesus was saying. They asked him, right? They it said here in verse 12, it said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. 
Sounds reasonable to me, doesn't it? If he sleeps, then he's going to get well. So they took uh, that Jesus' statement to mean that Lazarus was not dead. But, but John makes it plain uh, that Jesus was telling them that Lazarus has died. He makes it very clear in verse 13. Uh, and then Jesus, his own words, right? In verse 14, what does Jesus say? Lazarus is dead. Obviously, you're confused. I know I said he's asleep. He's asleep, but he is dead. And you know, as I as I thought about this too, I was thinking, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, uh, and we're going to talk about this later in, in the lesson. But when you think about a statement from Jesus, he sleeps. Well, again, Jesus sees everything, right? He knows that even the the elect. The, okay, when when we die, we're not really dead are we so you can just imagine when you think of uh, you know the way jesus looks at things he, he's asleep well in human terms no well he's dead okay in in human terms and so you see this this you, you see two different angles two different perspectives which is completely uh, understandable so so after jesus makes it very clear they obviously were not sure what he was talking about Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. So immediately he adds this in verse 15. He says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake. Unusual response, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad uh, that uh, for your sakes that I was not there. Gladness doesn't seem like a normal response here in this situation, doesn't it? And for you and me, it would not, right? We would, we would not see this. But, but, but Jesus said his gladness had to do with what? It had to do with the disciples. He says, it's, it's for, I'm glad for your sake. Why? Because I'm about to show you something pretty amazing. That's, that's, Jesus is not flustered. He's not in a hurry. He's not surprised. He knows exactly what he's about to do. And he's... He's in. just wait and see. I'm about to show you something really amazing. Uh, because of, uh, of what happened and because, the, the, because Jesus knew what he was about to do, uh, the disciples are about to see his power made manifest. And what's that going to do? That's going to strengthen them. That's why Jesus is glad. He's glad for their sake because their faith is about to be strengthened. And so in, in this way, uh, God, as only God can do, can bring good out of the pain of death. Um, and uh, of course these words from Jesus they're, they're not enough uh, for at least one of the disciples right namely Thomas right verse verse 16 uh, we have Thomas it says then Thomas who is called the twin said to his fellow disciples let us also go that we may die with him you know Thomas Thomas is Clearly, he, I put two and two together. I know what's going to happen. I know what happened the last time we were there. They tried to kill you three times. And we're going to return to Judea. And I'll go with you, Jesus. But I know that they're going to try to kill you and they're probably going to kill all of us too. That's Jesus' mindset. Probably going to die. Don't we do that too? You know, when someone says they want to do something for the Lord's sake and they're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Then you know what will happen. That's right. You know what will happen. Don't... Um, the, the 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 words of Thomas, you know, it's I don't it, I don't think there's sarcasm here. I don't I think uh, I think what what Thomas is saying, Lord, we're gonna go with you because you're going. 
We're, we're loyal to you. But I think I know how this is going to end. That's, that's Thomas's words. I don't think he's being, he's being sarcastic. He's, uh, I just think he's looking at it purely on, uh, on human level. They're gonna, I know what's going to happen. I, we're going to go with you. I'm not going to run the other way. I'll go with you, Lord. I'm, I'm loyal. I'll be devoted to you. But we're all going to probably die. Wow. So John writes here in verse uh, 17, it says, So when Jesus came, so now he, he, they, they've left. When Jesus came, he found that La- he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. So it took about a day to get the message. He stayed for two more days, and it took about another day to get back to him. So now it's been about four days. Okay? Now, they may, you know, that fact, that little tidbit may seem unimportant. However, it is not unimportant. Okay, John mentions this for a very specific reason. Okay? So we've got this, again, we've got the message. It took a day. Jesus waited two days. We've got one more day. So now it's been four days. So why? Why is the four days significant? Well, it's significant because of this. Uh, in these, de- these days, the rabbinic teaching of the day held that the spirit of a dead person hovered over the body for a period of three days. And at, if at any time during those three days, if the body was somehow resuscitated, then the spirit would return to the body. Okay, that's the, the rabbinic teaching of the day. Many held uh, to this truth. And, and, and according to the same tradition, after three days, then the Spirit would depart and there was absolutely no hope at all. So he's gone. So do you see the significance now of the, three day, of the four days? What is, what is, in light of all this, Jesus knows how these people think. He knows exactly what he's doing. He waited for, the, the, for a very specific purpose. He waited so that Lazarus would be dead, but he also waited so it would be more than three days. So it would be four days. Because Jesus knows he waited to get there after those days because when he, he knows I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows, that, he knows that's the plan already. But he did this in order so the Jews could not point to some other reason. They couldn't have, they, they couldn't have any other explanation for this. Because if he hadn't waited, right? I say he went two days, then Jesus raised Lazarus. Well, they would say, well, well you know, the Spirit was just hovering there. And, we, and Jesus resuscitated the body or whatever. And, and the Spirit just came back and returned. So they could, they could try to explain it away. right? Other than the, other, they, they would try to explain it away as being something other than a miracle of God, but that was not the case, and Jesus knows that. Jesus waited. It's been now four days. So, the fact that he was going to do this, he was taking every uh, every possible other explanation away. He was taking it off the table, right? And so it says, as Jesus got uh, close to Bethany, word of his coming got to the sisters, and Martha went out to meet him. Um, it kind of reminds me of the prodigal son, right? When the prodigal son returns, the father is watching, right? And the father goes out to him. Well, Martha is expecting him, expecting Jesus. She gets word he's near and she goes out to meet him. She doesn't wait for him to get here. She goes out to meet him. And this is what she said in verses 18 
through 19. It says, now, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. I'm sorry, let me, let me cover these two verses before we get to what uh, Martha said. Uh, so uh, in verses 18 and 19, it says, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, again, a detail that John provides us here. Uh, the implication here of these verses, what we can take away is the family was rather predominant, uh, prominent. Okay, prominent family because it says what? Many of the Jews had joined the women to comfort them. So they were well known. This is a well known family of the area. Um, the mention of the Jews also does what? It, it, it kind of heightens, if we're, while we're reading the narrative, it heightens our awareness of uh, it's a pretty big risk Jesus has taken. Right? He, he just left. They're trying to kill him. There's a lot of Jews present. It's, it's, a, it's a big risk he's taken coming so close to uh, Jerusalem because, again, they hate him. The Jews hate Jesus and trying to kill him. So a couple of verses that really kind of set the context for us, or set the stage for us. And now in verse uh, 21 and 22, this is Mary, uh, Martha's uh, response to Jesus. It says, now, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Now if you read, if you just take the first sentence there, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, how should we interpret this? Uh, Dr. Sproul said, uh, this is one of those times where as we're reading Scripture that I wish that I could hear the tone of her voice. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't have that. We don't. We don't know the tone of her voice as she communicated these words. You know, it's it's like a, you know in a modern day problem. You know, when you, when you, we send emails every day, right? We send stuff and we say all kind of stuff, and you never can understand the tone of voice of somebody's words. So you don't really know. You have to be very careful. Let me put it that way. You have to be very careful how you word things, don't you? When they can't hear your tone of voice, you have to be very careful, right? More important how you how you say things. Well, well, R.C. says, "I wish I could have heard her tone of voice because he says, could this have been an accusation? Some friend you are. Uh, why do you think we sent word to you? We about him being sick. We if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened, Jesus." I don't. I agree with with Doctor Sproul. I don't think that's her attitude here. I don't think that's what she is trying to say. And and the reason is because of of how she the, the next statement. What what is this? Because because even now, Lord, I Lord, I know, Lord, that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. R.C. said, "I think this statement, uh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died," was a a triumphant statement of confidence in Christ. From the lips of Martha, saying, "Lord, we know if you'd have been here, you'd have healed him. I'm confident that you would have done that and could have done that." And her following statement backs up the view. Then she says, "But even we know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Even in in in, in Martha's mind, even though Lazarus is dead, uh, she's saying, I have complete confidence and faith in you that this is from God.'" It's going to be okay. It's not a, she's not uh, upset with Jesus. Man, I don't think this is a rebuke of Jesus. 
And I think as Dr. Sproul wrote, uh, this is a testimony of Martha's trust in the healing power of Jesus. Verse 23. What did Jesus say to her? Your brother will rise again. Now at first, you know, Martha hears this. Uh, she's not 100% sure of what Jesus is saying. <coughs> she's not 100% sure what Jesus is saying. I'm about to sneeze again. Might blow my nose in a minute. Um, Your brother will rise again. She's not 100% sure what he's saying. And so she asked him, or she comments in verse 24. Martha said to him, Lord, I know that he'll rise again. But she qualifies it. I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Thank you. I might need that. So she's a little confused. And... But she makes a statement about what's going to happen on the last day. Excuse me. Ah, thank you for that. Now, when you think when the word resurrection, okay, we've I think we've hit on this earlier. The this was the resurrection. The idea of the resurrection of the dead again was a hotly debated issue, just like the deity of Christ. Now, you remember the Pharisees? They held a view. They believed in the resurrection. If you remember. Um, but the Sadducees, you remember the other group, did not believe in the resurrection. They did not hold to that. And so on this particular issue, apparently uh, Mary, Martha is with the Pharisees on this one. And so when Jesus said, your brother will rise again, she confessed her faith again that, yeah, yes, yes, Lord, I believe that. He will rise again. But on the last day, when all in Christ will rise again. <clears throat> But that's not what Jesus has in mind here, is it? He does not have this in mind. And then Jesus said in verse, first half of verse 25, He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now this is uh, the fifth of uh, the I am sayings of Christ as we find in the Gospel of John. And that statement is packed isn't it we could talk about this one probably for the rest of the day i am the resurrection and the life it's he says more than through me you find resurrection and life right although that's true but he says i am the resurrection and the life that's even bigger isn't it that's a bigger statement dr Sproul put it this way he says it's like jesus was saying this if we could expound on Jesus' words, I hold the keys of life and death. I am the foundation, the very power of life itself. How did, how did John start off his gospel? Everything that was made was made through him. The very one who's talking to them. Everything that was made that was made was made through him. I have the power of life itself. I, I have the power to raise dead people from the grave. I don't, I don't just teach about the resurrection. I am the resurrection. That's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing, the words of Jesus here. And then he added these wonderful words in the second half of 25 and 26. He says, 
He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then that question, do you believe this? Now when you read these, these statements at first, it maybe looks a little curious, maybe. Uh, at first he says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And the other one, he kind of he adds to it. But but what what is Jesus saying about that statement? He's saying if if a person meets the precon, there's a precondition, right, for salvation. No one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. That's a, that's a that's a condition, isn't it? it? Won't happen unless something else happens. You can't come to the Father unless the Father draws him. In other words, if the believing in Jesus is a precondition, is a requirement, isn't it? He says, and if you have that, if you believe that then you'll live even though if you die. And his, his, his next statement is even stronger. He says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. An absolute statement from the lips of God Himself, Son of God Himself. And then she, of course, then he asks, Do you believe this? Now, what did Jesus say here? If someone's a believer. If they believe on me for their salvation... They cannot die. That's what Jesus says. They cannot die. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot die. Now, we understand that yes, biologically, our bodies can die. Right? But as R.C. puts it, uh, that physical death does not disturb the continuity of living of a personal existence for God's people in the slightest. In other words, the, the, the biological death it doesn't stop you from living. Your personal, he says the way, the way Sproul put it, um, the personal experience for God's people is not disturbed in the slightest. That's hard for us to understand, isn't it? Why? Because we live in a physical world, don't we? We live in a physical world. We look at each other. We look at human bodies, right, that God has given us. And we live in the physical. And so it's sometimes the, the biological death, we can see it as some sort of end. And, and it is the end of something, it's the, right? It's the end of life here. But it's not the end of life. Because Jesus knows that when a person believes on Him for salvation, then His life is then poured into that soul. And no one can take the life of Jesus Christ. It is eternal. It cannot be taken. Um, Dr. Sproul gave some... I think he, he mentioned that when he was... this The whole, just as an aside, uh, these commentaries that we're studying, that are R.C. Sproul's commentaries on these books, were... Um, basically uh, preaching series that he has done, and they converted it into a commentary. So he preached all this at one time. right? He preached through these things, everything was documented, and then converted to a commentary right on these books. And so he said on the day, when I don't know the date, well, I, could, I guess I could look it up, but the day that he was to preach this section, the day before, is when uh, the space shuttle, the one that was not the Challenger back when we were young, but the one that as it was um, returning from orbit and into you know to space is the one that, that, that blew up and everybody died. Remember that? 
tragic event, right? Happened on, you know, live TV, basically. You see the thing coming, it just comes apart, right? So he says that that had just happened. You know, and of course the nation is reeling. I mean, everybody's sad, right? And rightly so. They had a reason to be sad. He says, but in reality, he says, if those astronauts, if any of them were believers, their life didn't end that day. They were immediately taken to the presence of their Savior. Immediately. I thought about this uh, this past... Sorry. Yes, ma'am? They are. They are. Sadly. You're, you're right. The, I was reminded of this, uh, and I shared with some of you. You know, last week we had the firefighter who was killed in the line of duty. They had his memorial service this past Wednesday. It was a church service, praise the Lord. And it was a church service where about 3,000 people were in attendance, physical attendance. And who knows how many people were watching online because it was live streamed, okay? And in, uh, as a part of the service, uh, there was a pastor at Rivland Hills who said a word. But the main message was given, by, by the, the firefighter's name was Jay, Jay Muller. The message was given by his grandfather. It was a retired pastor. So you know where I'm going with this. I was sitting next, I was in the overflow. I was sitting next to him. I didn't know. I just said, how do you know the Mueller family? He says, well, he says, my good friend is Jay's granddad. And he's given the message today. And I'm here because of him. I looked at him. I'm going, "I, I, I couldn't do that. I said, wow, that's amazing. He's giving the message. And so during the... And he did an amazing job. As Kathy said, she watched it. But in the middle of his message, he, he made it very... Of course, they shared the gospel plainly for all to hear. But the point I was going to make is that uh, he said about, I think, seven or eight years ago, he said, you know, I was at Jay's house. And Jay said, Pa, he said, um, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. And he said, he gave uh, the account, as Miss Kathy heard, basically his grandfather led him to Christ and he made a profession of faith. Changed his life. Right there. And the point that his grandfather was making was that I know Jay's life was cut short, but Jay lived a full life. And he's still living an even fuller life. And he basically asked the same question to everybody there, do you believe this? And that was a powerful time for a lot of hurting people. Because what was his point? His, his point was we look at a life 25 years old. You could look at Jesus' life. 33 years, right? Short life. Man, it got, life got cut so short. Amazing how many more things Jesus could have done if he lived 70 years. Jay Muller. Imagine what a more of an impact if he'd have lived you know, to, to 25 more years. But the pastor's point was he lived a full life because he knew Jesus. That's why he lived a full life. What an amazing testimony to share in the middle of a very hard, difficult time. Because the reality is, if you are in Christ, which all of us here I think are, if we're in Christ, we are already experiencing eternal life. Right here and right now. And so often we don't think about it that way. We do not think about experiencing eternal life right now. The, the fact, the reality is, you and I, if we know Christ, will never die. 
We, just as Jay did just the other week, he left his his physical body behind just as, as Jesus left a physical body behind at some point, but he still has his wonderfully, praise the Lord. Even though you and I, when we, when we do leave here, we'll leave that physical body behind. Death cannot destroy the life of Christ that is in you. It cannot be destroyed. The life of Christ has been given to His people. And that's Jesus' point here. You, 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 you may die. Yes, you may live here, but you will never die. I was, I was reminded too at reading this of that C.S. Lewis, Lewis quote that I love so much. And it's very short and you need to listen to it easily. Or just listen to it. It says, C.S. Lewis said, You don't have a soul. You are a soul. Now think about that for a minute. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You see the, the weight of that statement? Because most times we think, what? The body's me. I have a soul. Well, if I think about it that way, then I put a lot of importance in the physical body. And we should. But I mean, we don't, we don't think about the connection after when our body gives out. Right? At some point it will. Our physical bodies will say, I'm done. I can't go any longer. For whatever reason. But your soul will live forever. You are a soul. You have a body. Martha, Jesus, Jesus said, Martha, this, this is the reality about me. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha, in verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Just as, as, as Jay Muller told, his, his grandfather was able to, to lead him to Christ. Made a profession of faith. His life was forever changed and lived a full life. What, what is this confession here? Uh, this confession from Martha. Yes, Lord, I do believe. R.C. said, I don't think there is a greater confession of faith anywhere in Scripture than this one right here that, that Martha made in the middle of her sorrow. Her brother is dead. But in the middle of that, this amazing confession of faith and who Christ is and what He's here to do. She had she'd witnessed uh, the miracles of Jesus and she knows exactly who He is, doesn't she? And that's a question we can all ask, right? Do you believe this? And if for most of us, I think in this room, I think we do. Um, but we can never forget about our loved ones, forget about people you meet. These are the words of life. Jesus has the words of life. And we need to confront people with it. Do you believe this when we meet people who are suffering? Do you believe that Jesus can raise someone from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus is the salvation for your souls? Do you believe that He's offered that through the cross, the salvation? Do you believe that? Because of what? That is the difference in life and death, literally. It is the difference between life and death, isn't it? Whether you believe this or not. Any uh, questions or comments? We have a few minutes left.
We'll get to the, the rest of this story next week, Lord willing. I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time together. Father, as we were reminded, uh, the gift that has been given to us uh, through Christ. Father, life in Christ. Father, Christ living in us. Us united to him in life and in death. And Father, even though as we all will, uh, unless you come again, Father, uh, unless the Son uh, returns, Father, we will experience biological death. Our bodies will uh, come, our time and our physical bodies will come to an end, Father. But Father, just remind us that even now we are living life eternally. Father, we're living it in you. Father, we, when we leave here, Father, we get to be with you. That's just the best news in the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.